I tell you, we serve a great God. It's so wonderful to feel the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just be able to come and worship Him. I love that we can, you know, when you worship the Lord, you know, He is who He is. He's God Almighty. He's the King. There's none beside Him. But worship, you know, also deals with what He is to you and what He's done in your life. And, and man, when we think about how good He's been and how He's watched over us and blessed us, kept us, and, I mean, kept us when we didn't feel worth keeping sometimes, you know. But, boy, what a great, merciful God we have. So thankful for Him tonight. And, and I appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for being at Wednesday night. Uh, the way our Sundays fell this past month because, um, and we'll have to do this ever so often, I guess, but when we have our kids' service in here at 11, uh, we missed our adult lesson. Um, and sometimes I'll just, if the last lesson is is basically just summing up what we learned in the first three, I'll just go on past it and we'll just jump to the next thing. But uh, this lesson on uh, Dan, where's Dan? Uh, this last lesson, uh, actually, uh, to me, uh, I feel like is very critical in, in kind of sewing up Dan's story, and uh, I, I just didn't feel like we could skip it, and I didn't want to get out of sync with the next lesson starting up on this coming Sunday, so I said, well, t- Wednesday night is mostly the adult class from Sunday anyway, and so we'll just go ahead and finish this up tonight, and uh, if you don't know or if you, you haven't been here on those Sunday mornings, uh, we've been talking about the tribe of Dan. The, the title of the lessons were, Where is Dan? Where is he at? And we talked about the first lesson was Dan's uh, purpose, and then the second lesson was Dan's promise. And then uh, last week was, Where is Dan? Where is Dan gone? Talked about uh, Dan moving away from his promise. And so and tonight uh, we're going to talk about Dan loses. We don't, we don't preach about losing a lot in church because we, we, we like victory. We talk about losing this life so we can save it. But we, we don't like to talk about losing. But there are examples sometimes of people who Lose that help us to realize what we need to do to win. Jesus himself made a very plain statement, remember Lot's wife. And uh, the only thing I can tell you about her is, I, I don't know her name. I know who she was married to, that she had children. And then I know what she did and what her end was. And uh, Jesus said, you need to remember that as you are walking this walk that you don't get caught up looking behind you, looking back. Uh, we should be looking ahead. But anyway, with that, I want to read Judges 18. Uh, in the book of Judges, Israel is now firmly in the promised land. Still several tribes that have not taken possession of the land they were supposed to have. And we see the struggles that uh, Israel is going through because of the enemies that still remain in the promised land. But we're going to focus on Dan. And in Judges 18, verses 30 and 31, it says, And the children of Dan set up the graven image. Well, you can tell right here that Dan is in trouble. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set them up Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. There's always been a place where God dwelt. There was God's house. His, he had a house in that land. It was in Shiloh. But Dan decided to set up another place to worship and worship the graven image. So tonight we're going to talk about Dan loses the blessing, and we want to not be like Dan. There's some people in the Scripture I don't want to be like. I don't want to be like Judas. I want to be, you know, like Peter. I want to be, uh, there's some people I don't want to mirror my life after in the Scripture. I want to learn from their mistake, 
and uh, Dan is one tonight. So unlike Dan, we need to trust God with our future. Ask God to bless us. So let's pray for the lesson tonight. Lord, we do love and we thank you tonight thank you. for all your goodness and mercy that you give us. We thank you, Lord, for the many benefits you load us with daily. Thankful for what you have given us, great, exceeding, precious promises, Lord, that Lord, we have hold of tonight. And Lord, we don't need to bury these things. We don't need to neglect these things. But Lord, we need to hold fast to what you've given us. So tonight, let your word burn in our heart, God. Let it change us, make us better, that we can be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Now give him another hand clap of praise in the house. I'm thankful for the word of God. Thankful for his word tonight. Glory. (coughs) Excuse me. This pollen, I think, is getting around. So Dan loses the blessing. He had the blessing. Just a quick recap if uh, for if you don't remember or haven't been here. When Dan was born, he was born to Jacob, but he was not born to Rachel. Rachel and her sister Leah were competing for the affection of Jacob. Jacob loved Rachel, but he was deceived into marrying Leah, and then he was able later... Uh, through a bargain also to marry Rachel. But when they leave and uh, after they're married, um, Leah begins to have all the children. Rachel, upset that she cannot have children, actually goes to Jacob, you know, tells him, give me children lest I die. Of course, he gets upset with this because he's, I'm not in God's place. It's not me who has shut up your womb. I'm not God. So she devises a, pl- a plan. She says, well, I will... Uh, give you my handmaid to wife and she can bear children uh, upon my knees and that way uh, through her we'll have children as well. And the first child that was born was Dan. And she called him that and that means to be a judge. And she felt like it was because that God had judged her situation and was now blessing her because she was barren. But It was not what God intended. They tried to circumvent what God had promised Jacob uh, by coming up with this scheme. And so Dan was actually born into a very uh, dysfunctional family. Uh, He did not, his mother, his birth mother did not get to name him. The woman who wanted him and wanted to be a mother, she actually named him and took him for her own. And so Dan, uh, you know, grows up. Uh, watching all these other natural children come into existence, but Dan surely felt like an outsider even in his own home because it wasn't very long after that that uh, Joseph was born and also Benjamin, and so I'm sure he began to feel like the the third or fourth wheel in the family. Uh, But the thing was is when Jacob was lying on his deathbed, he began to pronounce what... uh, blessings and things that would go on in his children's life and he he said of Dan that Dan will judge the tribes of Israel as one of them and so at the last breath of Jacob Dan finds out that I am part of this family of God it didn't matter where he started and it didn't matter how he started Uh, God let him know that you have purpose you will judge Uh, in Israel as one of the tribes of Israel. You're not an outcast. You belong here. I am giving this, pronouncing this blessing on you. This is going to come to pass, and it would. And so Dan finds out he has purpose. When they get into the promised land, there is a, uh, they begin to go in and take the land. The land is divided up, and each tribe is getting their inheritance in the land, the land that flows with milk and honey. Uh, Dan is one of the tribes. He should be having part of this as well. But we found out that Dan, along with six other tribes, were, as uh, Joshua put it, were being slack. He said, how long do you slack and not go and possess what God has promised you? So uh, it wasn't that they didn't have a promise. They had it. They just had not possessed it. But So they go in uh, to get the land. They draw up where Dan should be at and Uh, The Amorites are there. Dan uh, 
for whatever reason, cannot seem to dispel the Amorites. They cannot get them out of there. Now, it's not because they don't have the ability to do it, because we learned that uh, they had the second largest um, fighting force uh, in Israel. They had 64,000, over 64,000 men who were able to go to war. So just behind Judah, they were the uh, second largest fighting force in Israel. Of course, with, even without Israel, they had God. And if God be for you, who can be against you? So, and not only that, but uh, it had already been told to them that, and God had let them know that when I bring you in this land, I'm going to take care of all these people, all these enemies. I'll go before you, and I'm going to give you this land and take care of the enemies that are in this land. And so they've got everything going for them, uh, but for some reason they just will not possess the blessing, the promise that God wants them to have. I don't want to uh, lose the promise that God has for me. Now listen, the promises of God are yea and amen. And we know that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That means uh, God uh, will not take away the calling from you, but you may lose that calling. Peter, in the book of Acts, we, we talked about it last week, how that uh, when they were down, the disciples were down to 11 because of Judas uh, taking his own life, that uh, Peter made the statement that Judas had obtained. Well, when you obtain something, you have it. He had obtained part of this ministry with us, uh, but now he's not here and someone else will step into his place. The very same thing happened with Dan. When Dan would not put the Amorites out, Joseph stepped in, the tribe of Joseph stepped in and took the land that Dan was supposed to have. Joseph came in and pushed the Amorites out and got rid of them and took what should have been Dan's. Dan decided, I'm going to go and look for something a little easier. And that's where we find Dan beginning to lose his grip and Dan begins to lose his promise. He's, he's about to lose the blessing that God has given to him. So uh, he was no different. And look at, uh, when you do this, you just you, you have to look at where Dan is. Dan is with the rest of Israel. He's part of them. He's not an outcast. He, he's no less than any of them. And all these other ones that are taking hold of the promises and moving into their land and doing this, Dan could do that as well if they would trust God. We, you know, for 17 chapters in the book of Joshua, you see uh, Israel taking over the land. And then finally in, in chapter 18, Joshua's like, why aren't y'all going out and getting what God has given you? It wasn't just Dan. There were six other ones. I mentioned this earlier, six other tribes. And so uh, Dan, uh, whether they lacked faith, didn't want to put forth the effort, maybe they just didn't have the desire, but they did uh, not possess what God had given them. They failed to take the promises of God. What they didn't know is that this failure would uh, haunt them the rest of their life. It would be passed on. This failure would lead down into generations after generation after generation. Dan decided if they, we, won't, we can't get here, we're going to find somebody that we can beat. We're going to find a, a, an easier Opponent. We're going to find somebody that we can uh, that we can actually beat, and we're going to take their land. We're going to go somewhere else. And so, uh, Dan, uh, lacking any godly leadership in their life, or listening, failing to listen to any godly leadership, uh, uh, cannot find a permanent home. They are, are doing their own thing, and as we read when it opened up, said so they begin to set up graven images uh, in their land. Well, now you can see. It doesn't matter if you are in the promised land. You don't get to do what you want to do and then expect God to bless it. Because just because you get in the promised land, that doesn't mean that the rest of God's word doesn't mean nothing now. You can't say, well, I used God's word to get here, but now I'll just follow my own way. I'll just do what's right in my own eyes. From the very beginning, from the, from the Ten Commandments, Fresh out of Egypt, this is what God said uh, to Israel in Exodus 20 and 3. He said, 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. This is exactly what Dan was now doing. They moved farther away from their blessing. They moved way up north from uh, the land that God had told them to occupy. They were moving farther away from Shiloh, from the house of God. They, they were getting away from uh, any, any contact with the rest of their people. They were moving away. They were trying to find somewhere that they could take. And see, that's the thing about the easy road. It'll always take you farther away. We're going to, hey, we, the Bible says for us to endure hardness as a good soldier. I understand that tribulation worketh patience. I, I, you know, we're, we're, going to have, we're going to be tried, and we're going to have to have some patience. But, friend, we will have the promise. And, and, and God has never sugar-coated anything, made us think like, hey, I'm just going to serve it up on a silver platter. You will fight because you have an enemy. Now, if we didn't have any enemies, it'd be no battle. But we do have an enemy, the roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. Our, the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that there's an enemy of our soul that we are fighting spiritual wickedness in high places. We know that uh, there are things in our life that we're going to battle. Even our own flesh, we've got to battle. And, you know, sometimes it's our own flesh that blocks us from the promise, us just wanting what we want. But God told him, he said, don't make any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above and there's a lot, of, lot you could preach on right there. Uh, uh, all, all these uh, statues and things that, well, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, don't be making any images of things in heaven above, things that are in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. Don't bow down yourself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God. And so God, he knows what he's done. He starts this uh, chapter off by telling them, I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt. I would imagine that God would look at his church today and say, I'm the God that died for your sins. I'm the God that washed you white in snow. I'm the God that filled you with my spirit. I'm the God that called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Be ye holy as I am holy. And you don't get to go and set up uh, images and worship other things and get so caught up serving other things that you forget me. Uh, I'm in the promise, but I'm in the church, Lord. Well, you, I've said it before. I said, you can... You can sit in the oven, but it don't make you a biscuit. Yeah, well, you can sit in the church all day long. But is this word hid in your heart? Are you still holding on to the promises that God, because the Bible says exceeding great and precious promises have been given us, that God gives unto every man the measure of faith. We, you know, there's things that God has given us it benefits daily. The scripture said he loads me with benefits daily. So there's things I know that every day God gives me to get through the day. What am I doing with what God has given me? What am I doing? Am I, am I in danger of losing the blessing? You know, he, that's what he said to some of the churches in the book of Revelation. He said, hold fast what you have. You need to hold fast to what you've got, what I've given you, so no man takes your crown. See, that all these people say, well, once you're saved, you're always saved. You can't lose out. Man, that's, that's so far from anything that the Bible teaches. The Bible don't teach that. Uh, if There's too much language in the Scripture that lets us know uh, that you can lose. Yeah, you can lose. You can obtain it and then lose it. And that's what happened to... Uh, that's what happened to the, the disciples with, with uh, the way that, um, man, I just said his name. Now I can't even think of his name. But uh, Judas, thank you, brother. I was going Joshua. I've been reading Judges and Joshua, and I'm like, it ain't Judges, it ain't Joshua. Yeah. So, but Judas had lost that. He obtained part of this ministry. And, you know, I said, you know, he was walking. He was listening. He was watching the miracles, and he was even preaching the gospel. When he sent them out by twos, hey, guess what? Judas was paired up with somebody. It was Judas, part of that group that comes back saying, man, even the, the, you know, the devils are subject to us through your name. And, and so he's, he's seen it, obtained it, been part of it, but something else was in him that uh, pulled him away, and he lost the blessing uh, of that. He, he could have been there, 
on the day of Pentecost if he had have just held on to the blessings of God. So uh, we see Joshua or Dan now in a bad place because they're already doing things that even Moses had instructed them through the Ten Commandments that God gave him uh, written with God's finger in the stone. This, this is not what you do. But, you know, uh, Moses, Moses, that's, that's, and he's not even here. You know, he, he didn't even get to come into the promised land. Why should we do what Moses said? It's just like when people say, why should I do what Peter said? You know, he denied the Lord and, and things like that. I'm like, wow, uh, look, you can't forget about uh, what got you here. And so, uh, and, and just try to find an easier route. And that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to find an easier enemy that they could conquer, somebody that they could just take over, no problems, have their own way. The Bible says in that day there was no king and every man just did what was right in their own eyes. They were just going to do their own thing. But God never just calls us to walk on a path of least resistance. God lets us know there's going to be things we're going to battle. And uh, Hebrews 6 and 12, I think I, I may have given you this, says, says, told us don't be slothful, but be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Well, if they got patience, you know what else they got? They got some tribulation because tribulation worketh patience. And so uh, he says, so don't get slothful, don't get lazy. You need to understand we've got some examples and we need to follow after those that through patience they actually got the promise. And so I I, I know one thing that I'm going to have to fight a battle in my flesh. Paul said, I've got a war in my members. I'm always fighting and struggling in my members and and uh, one prophet said, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. In Proverbs, it said, you know, be careful about that little folding of the hands to sleep and a little slumber. And that's when your destruction comes in because you just get lazy and everything gets broke down and tore down and you, you end up losing what you had. I don't want to lose the blessing. I don't want to lose the blessing. In Ephesians 6 and 12, Paul said, we wrestle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rules of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle. I don't know if you grew up with brothers or sisters or whatever, or siblings or cousins, but you ever been in a wrestling match? Uh, you know, uh, man, it's, you ever get somebody that could, could just grab you and throw you around or hold you down, you couldn't get loose from them, they a little stronger than you, they knew better and they have you in a lock, you can't go nowhere. That's wrestling. That's the way it feels sometimes. We're wrestling against these things that are trying to pin us, trying to stop us, trying to immobilize us and keep us from winning the blessing, from inheriting what God has got for us. But, uh, you know, but hey, you know, Jacob, he was like, he wrestled. He wrestled with an angel. He said, and I ain't letting you go till you bless me. And so, you know, if you want the blessings, you got to wrestle for it. If you want to beat the enemy, you're going to have to wrestle for it sometimes. You've got to be ready to endure hardness as a good soldier. Remember that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. So, um, so this is what Dan, Dan just wants paradise. They just want something good. And so they send out a scouting party, and they actually find a little place that uh, they think, this is just what we need. It's, it's so nice, and, and it's, it's, but it was so far away. You know that Dan moved so far north that when the writers would describe Israel's land, they would actually use Dan as the farthest point. They would say from Dan to Beersheba. You read that in the scriptures a lot of times, from Dan to Beersheba, because you can't go no farther away than Dan went. They, they went all the way out as far as they could go to get away to find somebody, and they found Laish, a little place where it was a sleepy place. And, and you know, Laish was probably a, a real nice part of land but it was not where God wanted them to be. And just because it's nice doesn't mean it's where God wants you to be. And just because you think it fits all, it checks all the boxes. Well, there's one it ain't checking if God didn't say it. It it could check every box, but if it's not where God wants you to be or what God wants you to do, that box is not checked. You're in the wrong place and you're going to lose the blessing. How can you do what God wants you to do if you're in the wrong place? Well, it'd be easier over here. It might be easier, but God needs you here. 
and I don't want to lose the blessing of God. I want to, you know, the, the Brother Shannon preached about it the other week where the Lord told him, said, you've been faithful over a few things, you know, and I, I want to be faithful over those few things that God has given me. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to turn my back on that. I don't want to lose the blessings of God because I don't want to deal with what God has already given me. Well, they, don't like, they got it hard. They don't like it's tough on them. Why is my mine so hard? God gave it to you because he knows you can handle it. God, and not by yourself. You'll never walk on this by yourself. God's going to always be with you in these things. God, God is not going to, if he supplies all my need, then he supplies whatever I need in whatever situation I'm in. It's not just like he, he gives me stuff in my cupboard and he puts gas in my tank. That's not, we get so hung up on the material stuff, but God's, God's not concerned with that. He's like, listen, you've got a job to do. This church has a job to do to, to win souls and to reach people, and, and you're going to be fought tooth and nail. Uh, the, the enemy does not want you to do it, but I'll give you everything that you need to do it. That's why he told us, Jesus said, I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. In other words, you've got everything you need to beat him. So when you leave... When you walk away, when you, if you don't go where I tell you to go because you think I can't do that, you're saying I didn't keep my promise. And God doesn't lie. It's, it's impossible for him to lie. He can't lie. He's going to keep his promise. We, you know, if God called, well, God called me to preach, but I just can't do it. Then either one, there's one or two things happening here. Either God didn't call you, in which you'll be off the hook. Or either you're saying God made a mistake and he'll make a mistake. Here's the thing is the Bible says if we know to do good and do it not, it's sin. And anything God asks us to do is good. If God wants us to do it, it's good because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights. It comes down from him. And so he knows what he's doing. If he gave you something, it's good. It's going to work if we do it. But if we're like, God, this don't work. I beg to differ. It does. It's been working like this for generations. Uh, so uh, I don't want to substitute things. I, I don't want to show like I've got a lack of faith or trust in God because I won't just do what he asked me to do. Sometimes, you know what you got to do? You just got to keep your hand on that plow. You, man, you just got to double down on what you're supposed to and do what God asked you to do. You know, we live in a world where people want it easy. But I'm telling you, and we think, well, they did all the hard work, so let's just sit up here and not do nothing. But, friend, we're going to have to labor just as much today. Oh, we've got the benefit of some mighty people that have come before us and really paved the way. But if we think that we're just going to put, like we're going to coast downhill the rest of the way till glory, it ain't going to happen. We've got some work to do as well. We've got to get busy uh, for the kingdom. We've got to get busy in what God wants us to do. God's people, the Bible says that they that know their God will be, uh, be mighty and do exploits. So where are the exploits? Where, where are the signs and the wonders and the miracles? You know, you know where, where are the things that we see in these signs shall follow them that believe? Where are the laying hands on the sick and they recover? Where's the casting out of devils? Come on, somebody. Where, where's, where are the miracles at? Let me tell you, when we get away from, uh, from this, you know, Dan was getting away from the law that Moses had been given and that, that Moses over and over said, this is the law. You're supposed to be reading it day and night, teaching it to your children. They, they, got, away from, they, they got away from the basic 10. You know, today people want to just, as Christians, they just want to grab the ten. I'm just going to live by the ten. That's it. I don't nothing else. They, they, you know, that's, it's funny how it's flip flopped. Because in the world today, people say, oh, "I believe in the Ten Commandments." Yeah, but there's a whole lot more book than just them ten. And so, but that is, that's where it identifies people today as Christian. I believe in the Ten Commandments, and I'm, I'm, I keep all Ten Commandments. But but have you obeyed the gospel? Well, you can keep the Ten Commandments, but have you obeyed the gospel? And if, let me tell you, we cannot. Walk away from this apostolic truth. Listen, the Bible says on the day of Pentecost that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's where it comes from. That's where apostolic comes from. 
And it, it, whether you give a name to it or not, that's where it comes from. And so what did the apostles teach? How, if, if the promise was unto you and your children and all that are far off were living there, what did they preach and teach so they could hang on to the promise? You're not gonna, they, were, they were the ones that were seeing miracles, signs, wonders, raising the dead, all kind of things happening in their lives. Prayer meetings that cause earthquakes. I mean, doors flying open, chains flying off. I mean, surviving shipwrecks. They were just going through it left and right. Man, anything, God was with them. That was the church. That was the church that didn't know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was the church that was preaching you know, the, that, uh, hey, you've got to repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You get born again. Then you learn how to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit and walk by faith and live by faith. And that's where you see it. Those are the believers. And, but you know what? The church, will lose, the church will lose the promise. They'll lose the blessing if they get away from the commandment. We can't get away from the commandment. Don't let someone pull you away into false doctrine. Paul warned us. He said, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and through vain deceit after the tradition of men, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You've got to know there is a a truth in Scripture. And that's why he said it's been given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints. To, and he said, you know, until we all come in the unity of the faith. Uh, I, listen, this church, the church world has changed so much since the day of Pentecost. Oh, there's so many different. It wasn't, it wasn't all these denominations. Apostolic, anyway, denomination. It was just the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. They said, preach the gospel. What should be the end of them that obey not the gospel? That was it. it was just the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was just that. It was just that. It was just the gospel. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, believing in him, baptizing his name, washed from your sins, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then doing your best to be holy as he is holy and living for God and, and passing it on. But boy, people said, oh, I can't deal with that. I can't get, I can't get, I can't get with that. Uh, men got involved in it. Changed it, changed the doctrine. Started preaching things that wasn't Bible. Doing it for their own, doing it to rule kingdoms, to rule worlds, to do things. And it changed. But God's always had a witness. I thank God that he still does. I do not want to substitute anything for the real blessing. Anything you substitute for the truth is sin. Yep. Paul said, listen, if we or an angel from heaven come and preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. Wait a minute, Paul, I love you. You, know, you preach some good stuff. Man. I like, yeah, but if I ever come and preach anything else, I don't care what I've said in time, if I preach anything else, let me be accursed. Matter of fact, if that angel from heaven comes, whoop, drops down in a pillar of fire and starts preaching anything else, let him be accursed. He didn't say one of the devils. He said, if an angel from heaven because even God knows that my word's forever settled. And so if one of my angels decides to drop down and start preaching something else, let him be accursed. And, and he repeated that. He, he said it, then he said it again. Said, in case you didn't hear me right, let me say it one more time. And then he didn't change what he said the second time. He said, I want to be plain out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. And so he did that. And so uh, Dan had gotten away from the commandment and they were losing the blessing. It was slipping away from them. Uh, they were trying to substitute what God wanted them to have. Uh, but uh, our choices in life have to be measured against God's word because we live by every word that proceedeth out of his mouth. So we must, uh, any choice we make is measured against God's word. What has God commanded? What does scripture say about your situation right now? Because when we live Anywhere short of complete obedience, we're in jeopardy. I love the story of Noah because it says in his day, eight souls were saved by water. Noah and his family were saved. But you know what it says about Noah in the book of Genesis? That Noah did all that God commanded him, all of it. 
you know, some of it was a lot messier. Some of it was a lot harder than others. Probably wasn't so hard going to survey the trees. Maybe that wasn't even quite as bad cutting them down. Moving them was another story. Making uh, boards out of them. Sawing. If they had saws, I don't know how they how they did what they did. But man, that, that pitch, pitch it within, pitch it without. See, a lot of people would have just said, I'm going to pitch it within because God only sees, you know, God just sees what's inside. I think God said pitch it within and pitch it without. You got to have it. It's good to have that pitch on the inside. It's needed on the outside too. It's good to have that spirit on the inside. It's needed on the outside too. People need to see if your light shouldn't be hid under a bushel. It's supposed to be set on a candlestick. It's supposed to be where everybody can see it. Anyway, but that pitch is messy. You ever, you ever got pine tar on your fingers or hands out picking up limbs or doing something, and you can't hardly get it all just stuck to you? Yeah. Or, or even like when we were kids, we, used to, we was barefooted all the time. We'd be walking down the road in the summer, and we would always find where they just put tar down. I mean, talk about just good gooey tar. And we'd always want to stick a toe in it, you know. And it would be all over. Then it's on you. And you, then you, you think, you're, you make the first time you do it the mistake of going over to the grass and trying to wipe it. Now you just got grass stuck to your foot. <laughs> you realize that grass and dirt and water don't take off tar. And so it's messy. There's things sometimes that we do it is. It can be messy, but it's required. It's what God wants. And sometimes we have to do the things that are not as pleasant as the other things, uh, but we still have to do it because that's what God requires. Now, God, uh, when Dan decided they were going to do what they were going to do, they didn't just, you know, they, they made the decision, but then they got the pat on the back. And that's what a lot of people want when they make a wrong decision. They want somebody to agree with them or to bless them in their endeavor, even though it's wrong. And that's what happened. Uh, They were encouraged uh, by uh, a false prophet who was posing as a man of God. Uh, The five spies had found this man, Jonathan, whom history says he was the son of Moses. So, uh, and Jonathan had been made a priest by Micah, who Micah was a thief and a liar and he just he was not a good man, but he had set up graven images in his house and he, he wanted uh, for Jonathan to just be his priest, be my man. And so Jonathan agreed to it. He said, I'll give you this much money, we'll do this and you'll be my priest. And they had set up these graven images, wasn't even worshiping God. Uh, Jonathan was not a real priest but they had made the lowest people in the land the priest. They were just they didn't pick the Levites like God said to do. They were just making anybody could be a priest. And, and so this false prophet told these five spies, he said, God's with you in what you're doing. God's going to bless what you're doing. Go ahead and do what you're doing. So they went back and got the rest of Dan. They're headed to Laish. And then they stop and they tell Jonathan, come on, you're going with us. And they steal the man's priest steal all his idols out of his house, and Micah comes running after him. What are you doing? You're taking all my stuff? And they said, you better hush your mouth, Micah, for some of these, angry, some of these dudes are angry, and they're going to come out here and kill you. So you just shut up and go home. That's what they told him. And so Micah, just kicking sand, he ain't even got his idols no more. He ain't got his fake priest. He ain't got nothing. And he just got scolded and go on. He got time for you. But Dan, on the other hand, was happy because, hey, guess what? We got a priest telling us we're right. There will always be somebody that will encourage you to just let go of God because, they, because they're convicted by their lifestyle. And misery loves company. And they just, you know, they, they, they're convicted by you coming around. They, you know, when you, they, what are you doing? I'm going to church. Oh, you're going to church again? You ever somebody ever say that to you? Yeah, I'm going to church. Oh, you're one of them holier than thou, holy rollers, your Bible thumper, whatever they call you today. You're one of those. Why are you trying to make me feel bad about going to church? I'm going to church. You going to watch that tractor pull again? You going to watch that NASCAR again? You going to another football game? 
I mean, come on. Look, if that's what you want to do, I go to church. I love the Lord. I like to pray. I like to worship. I like to see people saved. I like to see people come to God. So, but there'll always be somebody, hey, hey, why don't you, why is it they, they, anything planned now? They plan on Sunday at 11 o'clock. Hey, we're having a birthday party Sunday at 11. We're having family reunion Sunday at 11. Recreation departments now, they play ball on Sundays and on Wednesdays. They didn't used to do that. They used to kind of respect those days, and now they, either they're practicing or they're playing on Wednesdays, on Saturdays, on, I mean Sundays, things like that. And uh, so oh, i got to take my kid to the game on Sunday. On Sunday? I can, you can disagree with it or, or let it kind of smart you a little bit, but I'm telling you, you ain't teaching your kids nothing except that church is not as important as your ball team. Well, they can't miss. If they miss, they'll take them off the team. Oh, I can't do that. can't do that to them. Why? Well, you, say, that's, you don't like you old enough to be thinking like that. That sounds like one of them old-timers. Well, I was, I was taught by some old-timers. But I just see that in the Scripture, anything you put before God. And listen, we have church on Sunday. We have one service. It ain't like when we have two services on Sunday. If you can't commit Sunday as that day of worship, and there's already some stuff, you're in, you're in a little bit of trouble because you're, you're starting to move away. You're starting to be like, Dan, you're getting a little farther, farther away. Friend, the Bible says for me to draw nigh unto him, and he will draw nigh unto me. Friend, listen, we're like, well, God's chasing me down. I don't think he is. He said, come unto me, whosoever will let him come. Come on. I know, I know that he, he goes out looking for those that are lost. And I know, but he calls out of dark, into our darkness to bring us into his light. I, I, I get that. I, I believe in the Savior leaving the 99 to find that one. I believe in that. But, but listen, a child of God, you know, he's not just going to chase you down when you're running. Just running. Oh, I don't want to run. I don't, want to get, I don't want to get away. I know I'm getting close to, to my time here. And so uh, Dan began to, to hurt themselves because uh, they, like I said, they, they got this false priest and they, maybe they knew who he was, that he was the son of Moses. And, and maybe because, well, Moses, man, what a great prophet. So whatever he's saying has got to be right. But I can tell you this, it ain't about your pedigree. It ain't about your education. It ain't about the card you hold. It's about your walk with God. And just because somebody's got a big, hey, a, a, a great spiritual heritage is wonderful. Great spiritual heritage is wonderful. But they don't guarantee because you still got, you know, you're not going to be saved by your grandmama's walk. You can be encouraged and taught by it but you still got to make the decision to walk and live for God. You've got to make your own choice. To me, her grandfather, our pastor, was the greatest preacher walking in shoe leather. I loved my pastor, but you know, and he loved me, and he poured into me, but I still had to make the decision, am I going to serve God? She was raised up under him all her life. She still had to come to the decision, I'm going to live for God for myself. And so that, that's what we have to do. But, but, man, when we start entertaining false doctrines like Dan started doing, we, we get, we st- humans are easily persuaded because, uh, especially when bad advice caters to the carnal man, because the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, Jesus said it, but the flesh is weak. And even Paul said, there's a war in my members. When I want to do good, can't when I when I the wrong that I don't want to do you know I end up doing it there's this battle going on all the time this sin that I'm wrestling with it's like a war and well war good for nothing (laughs) so uh, even Paul said evil communications corrupt good manners we've got to stay away from things that will corrupt us and so that we don't lose the blessing but Dan instead of walking by faith and not by sight. They walked by sight, not by faith. They had this problem like 
very similar to, to what Lot had because when they found Laish, they said, man, this place is beautiful. It's wonderful. Man, it, we, it don't need nothing. It's, it's just perfect. And so they, and the people of Laish, they were so far away from any help. They, they were people that said that didn't lack for anything and they just laid around and took it easy all the time. They were just a easy going, probably the first hippies, you know, just laid out, man, everything's groovy, everything's chill, nobody messing with us, we're up here by ourselves, our own little commune, just love everybody, you know, that's it. And they said, man, these guys can't whoop nobody and came in and did that. But that's the way Lot was. He said, hmm, I'll go, I'll go over there towards Sodom. Yep, that's where I'm going to go. Look how well watered it is and everything. That's where I'm going. Look what it cost Lot. Or go all the way back to Eve. What did she say about the fruit uh, when she saw it? She said, it was pleasant to the eyes. It was good for food and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Three things that the scripture warns us about, 1 John 2 and 16, stay away from those things. They're not of the Father. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And, and that's where Dan found themselves as, hey, we're, we're going to make a life for ourselves. We're going to do it our way. I know God said, uh, don't eat of this tree, but look how beautiful that fruit is. Make me wise. I mean, wow. I mean, how can I go wrong? You can go wrong because God said don't do it. But it's good. Look at, you can tell, you can just tell that fruit is going to taste so good. We're going to take that bite then and see what happens. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't, I don't know what that fruit tasted like. I don't know what, you know, people say apple. We don't know what, it was just fruit, whatever it was. It may not even be a fruit we've ever seen or heard of before because it's on that tree. But I guarantee you, she didn't get the reaction she thought she was going to get immediately. Just, I'm talking about instantly, no, this ain't right. Because then she knows the difference. Now they know what it's like to sin. And then you're going to feel the weight of sin. Fear, they were afraid. Now all of a sudden they're afraid of God. Hey, where are you at? We hid because we were afraid. I guess that would be probably the second emotion they ever felt because they knew love because God is love. But then fear. Adam and Eve lost a blessing. Put them out of paradise. I don't want to lose the blessing. I'm, I'm, I'm about, to, about to get to the end. Uh, of what I want to what I want to get to down here, um, so Dan now uh, the other thing that Dan did is that they pretended like nothing was wrong. They went, destroyed Laish, killed everybody, burnt the city to the ground, then rebuilt and named it Dan. So it was like it'll erase what we did. Nobody will ask where well, Laish is not around anymore. It's it's Dan. But the writer in Scripture says at the end, but it was Dan or Laish at the first. The writer is not going to let them get away with it. They, re, they, they, they burn it down, sweeped it up, buried all the bodies, built it up new, and said, hey, this is Dan after our father. And they said, no, but at the beginning it was Laish. He wasn't going to let it be swept away. We can paint it up, do it up, whatever we want to, try to make it look all right. But God knows. I don't want to try to cover it up and act like, yep, look how good this is. This, listen, we can convince ourselves that our disobedience is really obedience in an alternate form. Isn't that what Saul did? When Samuel showed up, he said, I have fully obeyed the word of the Lord. And Samuel said, well then, how come I hear all these animals? The bleeding of the sheep and the, you know, why do I, if, if you obeyed and performed the word of the Lord, why do I still hear animals? And why is the king still alive? We can fool people and fool ourselves, but you can't fool God. Hebrews 4 and 12 says that God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
So now Dan has lost their purpose. They're not judging Israel anymore. They've lost their purpose. They lost their problem, their promise, and now they're losing their blessing because they've lost their place. Once they got to the extremities of that city, they went into full-fledged idolatry. Uh, they had Jonathan, the false priest, uh, tell them everything was okay. They were worshiping false gods. They stole from Micah's house. Um, they were spiritually and geographically uh, separated from God and his people. And then they lose their place in history. They begin to just fade out. Listen, it says, The tribe of Dan slipped farther away from God during the reign of King Jeroboam of Israel. According to 1 Kings 12, the king cast two golden calves for the people to worship in lieu of the true God. Jeroboam felt comfortable placing one of those calves in Dan, a place already that had already demonstrated a tolerance for false religion. And he also expanded the eligibility for the priesthood to include the lowest of the people which were not of the sons of Levi. Jeremiah grieved at the expansion of idolatry in Israel. He proclaimed that God's judgment was coming. He predicted that Dan would be invaded uh, as punishment for their sins. It became reality in 721 B.C. when the Assyrian armies invaded the ten northern tribes, including Dan, carried them away into captivity. And then ironically, Dan suffered a fate similar to the one they had inflicted on Laish. Their city was burnt. Uh, With this defeat, the historical story of these ten tribes effectively came to an end. Dan, a tribe God had commissioned to serve as judges, now suffered God's judgment, and they lost their place and they lost their purpose. And that's bad. But there's also something worse. If you read in Revelation chapter 7, we hear the Lord talking about, uh, I've got 144,000 that are going to be sealed. And he says this in Revelation 7 and 3, don't hurt the earth, neither the sea or trees, till we have sealed the servants, the servants of our God in their foreheads. And John said, and I heard the number of them which were sealed. They were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. We think, well, man, Dan made it in. I want you to listen to this. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000, of Reuben 12,000, of Gad 12,000, of Asher 12,000, Naphtali 12,000, Manasseh 12,000. Simeon, 12,000, Levi, 12,000, Issachar, 12,000, Zebulon, 12,000, Joseph, 12,000, Benjamin, 12,000. Anybody here, Dan? Nope, didn't hear Dan. Manasseh was in his place, Manasseh and Joseph. Joseph had two children, Manasseh and Ephraim, and Manasseh and Ephraim basically made up Joseph. And Joseph had a double portion because Reuben lost his double portion because of what he did with his father's concubine. So uh, Joseph is actually named beside Manasseh, and Dan is nowhere to be found. They're not anywhere to be found. Now, there's, it doesn't say, you know, it doesn't give us any indication of, of what, but when you study it, there's some things you'll find out that um, in these tribes that were mentioned, Dan is not mentioned, the names were used uh, for the twelve tribes that settled the promised land, but they were not listed in Revelation because of their pagan practices. And uh, this, because of what they did, this is actually one theory that different uh, people have, these people that study and, and theologians have proposed is that because they were so wicked and had gotten so far away from God that even the Antichrist would come from the tribe of Dan. Now, I don't know that to be true. That's just some things that some theologians put out there. We don't know if that will be what it is or not. The tribe of Dan is omitted uh, in this. They, they have lost their place. They didn't just lose their, that, that promise, that purpose. They lost eternity. 
They're not listed. These 144,000 people are sealed that God knows this is going to be the 144,000. Dan is not there. And that's why I said on our post for this lesson, I said it brings it all to the end and shows just how important it is that even though God gave us a place, we've got to hold on to what God has given us. We can't let go. We can't say, well, it's the 21st century. What if it comes to the 22nd century? Is it going to change again? I mean, listen, the church is going to be the church of the first century church. If it was good enough for them at the day of Pentecost, it's good enough for me and you now. It did not change. It it hasn't changed with the times. It hasn't rolled with the flow. It's not uh, the word of God doesn't need to catch up with modern times. The word of God will stand forever just like it is. You can't improve on it. They, you know, they keep retranslating it and retranslating it and retranslating it, trying to make it sound more hip, make more cool, better, and things like that. But they're changing it. A lot of, you know, a lot of these uh, translations have just removed hundreds of scriptures out of the Bible. You can study that out and see. You can get a list and start going through there. And, and in the NIV version, you can't find a lot of scriptures that you find in the King James version. Even in the New King James Version, they've taken scriptures out of it. So people say, oh, you want them King James Bible people? I am, but that, because I want the one that's got everything in it. And I hope that they hadn't took nothing out of that one. <laughs> you know, but every time you buy a Bible, you know, you have to read through it and, and make sure. Because you don't know, you're buying it on faith. I hope this was, they didn't take anything out, changed anything. So you study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. I, I, I want to rightly divide the word of truth. I want to, but let me tell you, there's some things in there. I've, I've told people, I don't know everything, but I know what I know. And uh, that's, that's some things I will never, ever, ever back away from. And our wanting to be, I understand wanting to be merciful and graceful, and we need to be. And we need to show the love of God. We need to show the goodness of God, things like that. But as good as God was, He never changed his word for nobody. And we can't change the word of God for people just because, well, that might be a little tough and it might hurt them. It might save them. You ever thought of that? I I don't know if I can just tell them that because it it really might turn them off. Well, if they get turned off by the word, and I'm going to tell you, if you tell them in love, Jesus said some pretty plain stuff and people walked away from him. He said, Ooh, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can receive it? And they said, from that time forth, many of his disciples no longer walked with him. They'd been with him as far as they could go, but they said, mm-mm, that's more. Listen, if they can get offended at him and walk away, don't be surprised if they get offended at you and walk away. Don't, don't say, Jesus didn't set out to offend nobody. He would, ask, he'd do, he would say something and say, does this offend you? Because you're supposed to know the word. You're supposed to know the scripture. You're supposed to know what it says. And they'd be like, man, that's tough stuff right there. Can't hang with you no more, Jesus. I got to go. Well, sometimes they, they, they may go. But we're going we're gonna to preach the word because I don't, I, listen, I'm not going to stand before the Lord and him say, why did you not preach that to those people? Not me. And, and uh, I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach what it says because I don't want to lose my blessing and I don't want you to lose yours. I want us to hold on to the word of God today. Let's let's stand together tonight. I know it's right at time, a little, little past the time I try to do. Is you know, Dan started out in such a crazy situation. And for his father to tell him hey, you're part of this. You're part of it. Man, he's got to be thinking, wow, I I had no idea I could be because of the way I came into this. My life was upside down. You know, I mean, my my mom, I don't even know if she wanted to marry Jacob. She was just a servant. She didn't have no choice in the matter, didn't have no say in the matter. So I just kind of get born into this world as a tool to get back at my aunt. You know, they're just trying to, Use me as a pawn in this game of who loves Jacob the most. And, but now I'm actually a tribe. I'm actually a part. I've got a purpose. And so you, we're like, 
That's what I'm talking about. Jesus can just get anybody from anywhere and put purpose in their life and use them. But friend, you can be handpicked and it can be spoken through prophecy right into your life. And you can lose your soul if you don't hang on to what Jesus gives you. Don't get in that false doctrine stuff. Once saved, always saved. I, I can just do what I want to do. I'll be all right because I said I believe one day. Uh, hey, we all start somewhere, but you got to come on into the fullness of truth. And, and, you know, even the scripture tells us there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. And that's where Dan found themselves. It, it seemed all right to them to do this, but it ended up in death. They got their city burnt, they got pulled into captivity. And they are not in that 144,000. They're not there. Somebody took their place. I don't want anybody taking my place. I want to hold on to what I got. I know this is like, oh, man, this is midweek stuff, Pastor. I got to get the rest of the week with this. (laughs) Well, you just think about what you want. I want the Lord. I want what he wants. And I I want to hear him say, well done. Let's find a place to pray tonight for a few moments. Tell the Lord, I'm going to hang on to my blessing. Help me, Lord, to see it, to hold on to it, to trust you. I want to make it, Jesus.
You know, I said something the other day. When you get up in the mornings, just recommit every day. Don't, don't wait week to week. But every morning, Lord, today, this is, we, we say it all the time. This is the day the Lord has made. And we make a choice. Well, when you get up in the morning, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to face today. But whatever I face, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to walk with you. You know, we, I, I'm, I'm picking up my cross daily. It's what the Lord said. If, if you can't do that, you can't be my disciple. So daily, I don't get to walk without the cross. I've got to follow him with that cross. I've got to make sure that I'm dying out to this flesh, living my life for him, living by the word of God. We're going to make it in Jesus' name. Praise God. We're going to hold on to the blessing in Jesus' name. Thank you for being in midweek service. Looking forward to Sunday. Going to be a great time. Invite somebody to the house of the Lord. We love you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.